Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you're buying and holding, so if you're going to be a landlord or, or manage a property, don't be afraid to let it sit vacant. Don't make a decision out of fear that it's going to sit vacant for a month and, and you're not going to cash flow. It's well worth it to let it sit vacant to make sure that you get the right tenant in there. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with us today. Steve White, how you doing, Steve? Excellent, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to hear that. A little bit about Steve. He is a landlord. He's a real estate investor, and he's the CEO of Rent Prep. He's an active investor with 15 plus years of experience. His focus particularly is with medical tenants. He likes A and B office buildings and product. He's based in Buffalo, New York. With that being said, Steve, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I would say as an investor, I am definitely an investor who is playing the long game. I'm looking much more on the side of building wealth versus trying to focus on the cash flow side or what the immediate return is going to be. So I'm more of a buy and hold and a lot of experience dealing with landlords and tenants in owning rent prep. So we're a tenant screening company and heard the worst of the worst and learned a long time ago that great tenants make great landlords. So pretty picky with who we're selecting to rent to, both on the commercial and residential side. And I've been known to let a place sit vacant for a lot longer than most would feel comfortable with just to wait for that right tenant to come through. So a little bit of different strategy. I, I know I talked to some investors, just a completely different world that they live in. And mine's much more of a long game, I would say. What is the world that other investors live in that you're referring to? I would say the numbers are a lot, not that the numbers are not important to me. They certainly are. But I go into deals a lot of times, A, making sure that I've got the right tenant picked out. If it's a commercial property, I usually know ahead of time who I'm going to be renting to and who I have in mind, which is a little bit of a strange approach. I realize uh, not super active. And so when the opportunity comes up, that's when I start go out and look. And, and I've had pretty good luck and pretty successful with it to make sure that I've got the right tenants lined up for the right properties. So I would say, again, if I'm cutting it close, if I'm not cash flowing super positive or putting a lot in there, I'm okay with it as long as it fits into my long-term strategy. So will you elaborate more on that? Because I always hear 
Mm -hmm. You can buy a cash flowing property. And I tend to subscribe to that philosophy, but you just said, hey, if it's not cash flowing, then I still might buy it because I'm in it for the long run. Yeah. Will you elaborate? Yeah. So I've got a building right now that I'm looking at that I'm looking to put a chiropractor in there. Long-term tenant, and I have to go into it knowing or assuming this is going to be a long-term tenant. So again, I think that's why for me, sort of knowing ahead of time who that tenant might be and sort of working those things out and understanding what they're looking for, what they want, it's cutting it close, probably closer than a lot of people are comfortable with in terms of what I'm going to have on the mortgage and what I'm going to be collecting in rent. So probably for the first five years, it's going to be cutting it really close. And then through progressive increases in the rent. And as I'm paying more and more on the the mortgage, at some point, I'm probably going to end up refinancing it like I usually do. So for me, it's five to 10 years until it really starts to cash flow where most people are comfortable with it. If I'm cutting it close, it's okay. That's usually part of the strategy for me is play the long game, find the right tenant and go into it with that mindset. And as far as finding the right tenant, even if you find the right tenant, I imagine sometimes things don't work out exactly how you had planned. So that right tenant bounces and now you're left with a vacancy. So I imagine then you're in a world of hurt because you were cutting it close to begin with and the right tenant for whatever reason left. Yeah. So on the commercial side, knock on wood, that has not happened. My contingency plan would be Usually, I would say try to find somebody in that same space or in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if I lose a chiropractor out of there, I bought this place for the chiropractor, maybe even helped set it up for a chiropractic office. So I'm immediately looking for a chiropractor to fill that vacancy. If something ends up happening, somebody leaves or something unforeseen happens or they're no longer in in business or their their practice shut down. Luckily, that hasn't happened. I've had good long-term tenants on the commercial side. I usually have a relationship, even if it's just under the premise of, hey, they might rent from me. They usually understand my position in it too, is try to make this work for everybody. So I've had good relationships with the tenants that I've had. And luckily, even through the pandemic, they've never missed rent, never laid on anything. Again, could be part of the nature of their business too, but I've gotten pretty lucky. I'm not saying it's a bulletproof strategy necessarily. I've seen how things can go wrong or fall off the rails, but on the commercial side, I've been pretty lucky. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm not here to jinx you. That's for sure. (laughs) How many commercial properties do you currently have? Just three. And that's another important thing to point out too. I would say if anything, I became a real estate investor kicking and screaming. I didn't go into it wanting necessarily to do this. And I, part of it was just being spooked in the industry and the business that I'm in. I've got 160,000 landlord clients around the country I've heard every horror story you can imagine from flushing concrete down the toilet, to meth labs in the kitchen, to tenants stabbing other tenants in the building. I had enough reason to not want to go into this. So for a long time, I was pretty reluctant to do it. And I think I had a situation where a perfect deal dropped into my lap and it was sort of like the universe telling me, I dare you not to do this. And so you know, <laughs> the, the business side of me was like, ah, I have to do it. But right from the beginning, my biggest concern has always been man, I've got to really get the screening right. I've got to get the right tenant in there. I do this for a living. I can't be the guy that owns a tenant screening company and ends up having to evict somebody. Not to say that it can happen to anybody, but I would definitely say my focus has been for my personal portfolio, whether it's commercial, residential, for me, the focus is really on finding that right tenant. That to me is where the success lies for buy and holds. Mm -hmm. Well, 
you said the perfect deal. That was the first commercial deal that yeah. you purchased. Tell us about the numbers on that one and just we you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, it was a two-unit building. I was in an area that I would say a good mix of sort of residential, but on the outskirts of like a village. So it wasn't something that was going to get a lot of traffic or anything like that. And it just so happened to have, this is sort of my introduction into dealing with chiropractors. I had a chiropractor tenant in there. So I learned a little bit more about his business, how long he had been there. We put some money into the building. So overall, the building was, I thought, a really good deal. Actually, I made an offer about 20000 below the asking, which the asking was already pretty low. I don't know if numbers would be relevant or not, but it they was are. about... Okay, yeah. so that was, it was three hundred forty thousand. The original listing price was four ten. Sat in the market for a long time. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. It keeps coming down. And this was during a stretch of time where there definitely wasn't a race to pick up commercial properties. So it wasn't unusual for commercial properties to sit for a bit. And the seller. So on one side it has a chiropractor, and on the other side it's got a dermatologist. Dermatologist okay. was retiring and moving to Poland. So. I go through and I did kind of a walkthrough and look around. And one thing I noticed is he had a ton of medical records. Nothing was in a computer. Everything was hard copies. And because of the nature of our business and background checks, we have to deal with sensitive information. We have to maintain records and we have to destroy records regularly. And I knew that in the medical space, they sort of do the same thing. So I came in with a offer of 20000 less than asking in with the deal that I would manage his records, knowing he's going to Poland and he's not going to manage these. He's going to have to pay somebody to manage these medical records and to make sure that they're being destroyed, but kept as long as they need to be, which is seven years. That's an interesting nuance that you picked up on. How'd you know well, that? I got creative. I felt like at the time, well, this is the best idea ever. And it was really just me walking through and noticing one of the rooms in the building was completely dedicated to medical records. I don't know if you've ever seen in some of the old school medical offices, they've got these huge, looks almost like a vault where you crank a wheel and it moves the huge doors where you have everything alphabetized. So it's these huge racks that these records basically sit on. So it was just me seeing those and thinking to myself, huh, if this guy's moving to Poland, who's managing these medical records. He had boxes of them already that were labeled with the years to note that he needed to destroy them. And he was going to have a shredding company come out and give a certified destruction of documents. And we do the same thing for the background check side of things, where if we're printing out anything at all, it could be a credit report or criminal records, whatever it might be. So the idea just struck me. I was right in my assumption that he did need to manage this. It was something that he was thinking about. He did know he was going to end up having to pay somebody to manage all these records. So he took me up on it. I quickly wished that I didn't do it. There was a couple of times where I said, I would have paid the 20000 It's not <laughs> worth this. Basically, this was during a stretch of time where I was way more invested into the business than I was on the property side. So I had to hire kids to come help me organize, alphabetize all of these medical records, and then separate them by year. It was a huge, huge undertaking. <laughs> I severely underestimated how much effort and energy would actually go into this. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. 
They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. If presented a similar deal right now, how much less would you offer in order to compensate for the administrative headaches? 50,000 at least, (laughs) at least 50,000. Cause I know what I would pay somebody. It's going to cost me five to 10 to pay people to do all this and manage all this into the future. And then per um, year or just no, in total, total, five years, 10 years. No, just for, well, the money that I would pay to have somebody come in and do it's just a one-time fee to come in, organize this. It was a nightmare to do. I feel like for a long time I had bad dreams and, and recurring nightmares about organizing, alphabetizing, and sorting. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Put it this way, we sorted so much in the beginning, and we were racing because we were doing a build-out, so we had to move all this stuff, and then it became a beat-the-clock type of a thing, and we were spending all night sorting out these records. You had to open the files. You, there was nothing on the file to indicate what year, so we got to the point where everybody who worked on this had literally burned off their fingerprints on their fingers from just grabbing files and flipping through and opening them. So we've all got band-aids on our fingers because right, we love right, to wear right. the skin through. Right. So you wouldn't do that again. But I would 340 k was the offer. And what did you end up buying it for? 340 uh, 320 320 Got yeah. it. Okay, got it. So 320 And how much did you put into the deal? I think we put... In, in addition to your fingerprints, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say. What about, yeah, the... Money-wise, how much money did you put in the deal? Right around a hundred thousand cash. Okay, a hundred k to get it ready for the next chiropractor and dermatologist. Exactly. Yeah, that's another thing I severely underestimated the build out costs, and of course we ran into well this is going to be an issue, and then this is going to be an issue. Not really going through the way that I probably would have gone through the amount of build out that we were doing. I was just looking at it, walking through and saying, oh, we could move this here, move this there. There was a couple of issues where we ran into like, well, you can't move that wall. There's beams in that wall and it's beyond load bearing. It's like structural things that are covered up in there. So we can't move that. So I I probably would have taken my time going through it again. I would have had a builder go through and look at what the build out would be and understand that a bit better too. So I ended up putting, I think in total about 220 or 30 into the total construction and remodel after we purchased it. And what is it worth today? It's over 600. It's good. Yeah. I is would it say, Buffalo? Yeah. Right outside of Buffalo, Lancaster. Okay. 
But yeah, the value of it was just a really good structurally sound building. The way that it was built, it was a, I don't know if you guys have consumer beverages over by you, but they all sort of look the same around here. There's places where you can go and buy beer and wine and that sort of stuff. And they're built sort of this open truss with really solid concrete walls and everything and made it a little bit easier for us to maneuver and move things around in, in terms of how we want the office space to look. And a ton of parking, ton in suburban sort of mixed area. It was perfect. Matter of fact, our parking is so ample. A lot of times we end up having to chase people out of the parking lot who park there to pull over and take a nap or how, people do how, all kinds of weird stuff. With there. How long ago did you buy this? Three years now. Okay. Three years. So that was the first deal. What was the second commercial deal? High level. So the second commercial deal was just a space that we wanted just for a chiropractor. I'm sensing a theme here with, yes, with yes. back well, doctors. You know, <laughs> You know what it was? The chiropractor that we purchased the building and inherited this guy, I saw it as kind of recession-proof or pandemic-proof. He had a great business. Looking at it from the business side of things, I thought, this is a perfect tenant for me. There's not a lot of instability. He's got a great practice. He's been around for a long time. Even through the pandemic, he was able to stay open as a medically necessary. I just sort of found a niche there. Where I said, I All like right. this. this works. So what, what were the numbers on that deal? That one was around 250 for the building itself and didn't need anything. That one was pretty recently remodeled. It was not far from the other office, only a couple of miles away. So I was good with the area. I liked the area and familiar with all the taxes, town tax, and all things like that. And the building itself had sat vacant for quite a while. It was just sort of a weird space that I think it was too small to do anything else with. It was about 1,800 square feet. So it wasn't like anyone was going to buy it and turn it into a home. It didn't have a basement or anything, which in our area here in Buffalo, New York, everybody's got a basement. So what's it rent for? $1,750. And that includes pretty much everything except for the heat. Make them pay for the heat. Okay. So you bought a building for $250,000. It rents for $1,750. And what would you say it's worth now? I would say with the market, the way that it's been going crazy here, I would say 300 all day, at least. The building is good structure to be able to add on to it if we wanted to, and a lot of parking lot space there as well. So there's a lot of opportunity to do different things if we wanted to. But as long as that chiropractor's in there, he loves it, he's paying his rent, and he's got a good business going, I wouldn't move him. That seems like that deal cash flow out of the gate. Yeah, that one was good. It's in a weird spot. I feel like that building just wasn't selling. What, What's you know, weird I mean, about it specifically? It's on a pie shape of a property. So there's no yard, which is great for me, right? Like less mm -hmm. to maintain. I like that. Great for visibility. So if you're is driving it on by. The, the back of the pie? Or where's the frontage? The building's on the front of the pie. Oh, that's good. Yeah, the back is parking. But the mm -hmm. way that it's situated, you sort of drive by and see the side of it. It's not the sexiest <laughs> of buildings or anything, but for a chiropractor that just wants good frontage, easy access, I feel like it was perfect. And I got the buy-in from the chiropractor ahead of time to say, hey, what do you think about this property? And he liked it. So that to me was the most important mm -hmm. thing. Can it work for the people that are going to be in there? Is it a place that I would buy and maybe put my business? Probably not. But as long as the chiropractor says, yeah, that works for me, I like it. This is a perfect area location for where my patients can come and it's not far from where I was. So that checked all the boxes there. Got it. And the third deal, high level. 
Third Deal High Level was more of a, I would say, storage space. It had a lot of storage space. It was being used for a business that did welding. So used to be like a pole barn. So no floor. They ended up putting a floor in there. Steel sides in an industrial part of the property. I liked the idea that it could be multi-use. We could use it for a warehouse. If we needed the space, we could keep the people that were doing welding in there. They were able to drag all these big pieces of metal and the things that they were working on to fabricate. They can drag it in on this building and it had two roll-up doors, one on each side. So that one went for under 200 and wasn't a whole lot to it. And I don't know what it would take to make that something beyond what it is. In other words, I don't know if it'll ever be anything more than storage, maybe warehouse space, or somebody's using it to do welding or something like that in there. But it's uninsulated. I'm sure they're freezing in the wintertime in there. They've got heaters and things like that. But it's not my typical type of deal. But again, just sort of fell out of the sky and ran the numbers and said, that one looks good too. So I feel like the universe challenges me sometimes and dares me, says like, well, (laughs) go ahead and say no. So that was another one where I picked up because it was just too good to turn down. Why not do residential versus commercial? I do have some residential. On the residential side, I don't have a whole lot to do with managing on those because I'm pretty busy with my business. And I've seen where landlords burn out, which is to think that there's something they're not. Some people get into it or or do a buy and hold. They may read exactly how to manage. They may understand how to manage, but when the time comes to actually doing it, they find that that's the part that they hate. Dealing with relationships, nurturing tenant relationships, or dealing with sometimes the nonsense that comes with managing tenants. So right out the gate, my very first residential rental property that I had, I managed it for about a year, and then I got a property management company to come in there and manage it. So the only thing that I'll do is I'll step in when it comes time to do the screening and any kind of turnover, because that's sort of my area of expertise and where I like to jump in. But in terms of maintaining and and the day-to-day, all my properties cash flow well enough that I can easily afford a property management company, which keeps me in good graces with my wife as well. She does not like me getting the phone call in the middle of the night that the toilet's overflowing or this is broke or that's broke. So that has worked out pretty well, just having a property management company manage the residential stuff. Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say don't force it. And if you're buying and holding, so if you're going to be a landlord or or manage a property, don't be afraid to let it sit vacant. Don't make a decision out of fear that it's going to sit vacant for a month and and you're not going to cash flow. It's well worth it to let it sit vacant to make sure that you get the right tenant in there. The right tenant will make or break you. So that was something that took a lot of discipline for me. And it's really the best advice that I can give is we see a lot of landlords. That's where they make the mistake. They get nervous. They feel like they've got to fill it. They end up picking the least worst instead of the best. And it's usually a decision that they regret not that far down the road. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready, man. All right. First quick word from our best ever partners. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business? Or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal. 
Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week you can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. What's the best ever book you've recently read? Napoleon Hill, and it may not be the one or any of the books that a lot of people equate with him. It's Outwitting the Devil. Ah, uh, yeah, co-authored by Shannon Letcher, I believe. You right? got it. Yep. yep. What deal have you made the most amount of money on? Hmm. I'd say probably the commercial property. That one cash flows pretty well. And what's it cash flow each month or each year? How much does it put in your pocket? I would say about twelve thousand. I'm, I'm Cash flowing about a thousand dollars on it, so I'd say about twelve thousand. Nice. Yeah, twelve thousand a year. That's the first one. Yeah, and I don't touch it. That's money that sits in there. It reaches a certain amount. If something goes wrong, I got to fix something. A roof, or we just had a water heater that went out. So I have my sort of maintenance fund in there, and then anything else gets put into a very very safe investment. Best ever way you like to give back to the community. I would say right now it's through my employees. We've got a Facebook community. The moderators don't want to get paid. We allow them to choose charity of their choice. Same thing with employees here at RemPrep. We try to get them involved in charities of their choice that they want to get involved in, and the company works to support that. So I would say aside from anything else that I'm doing on a personal level, I feel like I can 
cover more ground and make a big impact with supporting employees and people around me to help them contribute to what they believe in. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Rentprep.com. We've got a Facebook community. If you are authentic and a genuine landlord, you can get in. If not, we're going to keep you out. Uh, We're a strange Facebook community in that we actually only approve about a third of the people that apply to join. We keep it pretty secure and private for a good reason. So it's not something that anybody can just join, but it's a great place to connect with me or 12,000 other landlords in there that are there for the right reasons to share their knowledge and gain knowledge from others. Steve, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking about your background and with the commercial real estate deals, the three deals and talking about some angles for those deals that you took, in particular, the first one with managing the records uh, and Mm -hmm. able to get a lower offer and you paid for it, but you saved some money clearly and you found a competitive edge to get the deal. So appreciate you being on the show sharing your advice. Hope you have the best every day and talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe.